What's up, coaches? Happy Monday to you, and welcome to episode number 46 of Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for all you guys in the trenches. Okay, so let's begin today's episode with a little bit of XFL talk. I don't know if you got to watch any of the uh, the games this weekend. I did. I got to watch uh, most of two games and then bits and pieces of of the other two games that were played. And, you know, I got to tell you, I I expressed a little bit of hesitancy last week in in our episode last week about this thing, but one weekend in, and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the games were were entertaining, uh, albeit a little sloppy in some spots. I think at this point, and this this is to be expected, but I think the defenses are a little bit ahead of the offenses. But you know, I I, um, I saw most of the DC defenders uh, and the the Seattle Dragons game. Uh, that was the first game on on Saturday, and I saw the whole uh, New York defenders and Tampa Bay Vipers game. Uh, uh, on Sunday afternoon, and I watched that one extra closely because, you know, uh, as I've mentioned before, our, our outside linebackers coach here at Pleasant Grove, uh, Lucas Waka, is the starting linebacker for the Vipers, number 45. And, you know, and although the Vipers lost a tough one, I, I was proud of Waka, and it was really cool to see him running around out there making plays. So best of luck to him the rest of this season and the Vipers. So uh, anyway, not that any of you care, but here are a few of my quick takes from this weekend uh, with the XFL. First, I remember the first time that the XFL came around. I was in high school. And even then, as a 14 to 15-year-old kid, I thought the whole thing was a little bit, um, a little cheesy. You know, definitely had the feel of like 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 WWE wrestling. Uh, and it just didn't feel like football. You know, it felt like you were watching a state. It felt like you were watching wrestling. And it felt more like a show, like a TV show that, that, that you were watching and just didn't feel at all like football. I don't know if you remember, like, they didn't have kickoffs. They had two guys scramble for a ball and, you know, they had nicknames on the back of the jerseys and all that stuff. And that was okay, but it was just a – it felt like a lot of nonsense. And, and so when I tuned in uh, this weekend, I, I felt like I was watching a professional football league. Again, it wasn't as sharp. The play wasn't as sharp, but still it had the feel of professional football league. It helped having some – uh, some name brand coaches on the sideline. Uh, and so that was really cool. I, I really liked that. I like the rule changes. Uh, I thought the kickoff rule was intriguing. Uh, a little, you know, to me, if I'm a, if I'm a special teams coordinator and, and all that returner has to do is break through that one line of defense, you know, that is a little nerve wracking. And, and I'm sure that, that uh, is, there's going to be some, some strategy play into that on down the road. But I thought that was cool. Uh, I like the no extra points and forcing the offenses to go for it. Uh, and giving them three options and, and how they want to do that. I thought that was a cool rule. I like the 25-second clock between plays, and they had the one official whose sole job it is to spot the ball. I think that's a really cool rule and a way to, to speed the game up and keep it moving. Uh, and I love the 10-minute times. Now, I'm sure if you were to ask the coaches, they may not like it so much. I can't imagine trying to make adjustments with 10 minutes. I mean, by the time you, uh, you, know, you walk off the field and get in the locker room and grab a cup of Gatorade or something, it's time to go back out. And so it's, I, I would imagine it's really difficult to make halftime adjustments. But you know, for us, the viewers, I really like that. And I like the two-minute period at the end of each half where um, you know that teams can still uh, attack the middle of the field and the, and, the, and the clock is stopped until the ball snapped. I, I like that. I think that's a that's a cool rule. And uh, again, if I were a defensive coach defending that, I may not like it so much. But as a fan of football, I like that rule as well. I'm definitely not a fan of all these sideline interviews during the game. 
I mean, some of them were okay. You know, like with if you you know they interview uh, the quarterback after he, after he leads his team on a, on a touchdown drive. Okay, that's that's okay. But we don't need to hear from the kicker and, and, and hear about what was going through his head when he shanked a 32 yarder into the bleachers. I mean, come on. Uh, to me, that that felt a little uh, a little gimmicky uh, and, and a little bush league. So I think if they can they trim down on that, I think you have a much much better product. And I liked hearing the coaches call the plays. Although, man, I mean, the the play call in a professional league, and I don't know, you offensive guys can 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 enlighten me on this, but holy smokes, the verbiage on those plays. You know, and you got 20 seconds, 25 seconds between each play. That that's it was a lot, uh, and I know they got to tell the protection and they got to go through all those things. But that was that was a lot. But I liked that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I I did really like hearing the conversations between the officials. You know, as they deliberated calls and 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 talked with each other about what what kind of you know what, what they what kind of call they were going to make. And I also really liked the conversation between you know the, the the head official and the guy in the replay booth and to hear how they were going to make that call i think that is a great rule and something that the nfl should should adopt right now especially with all of the you know the mistrust of officials and the, and the bickering about the the officiating in the nfl i think that would definitely lead to more transparency and accountability on their end so big fan of those rules uh, but all in all i thought it was a solid opening for the xfl and I'm definitely intrigued and hope it does well. And we'll be paying close attention, especially to the Tampa Bay Vipers. And so hopefully uh, those guys can, can get it turned around. And uh, anyway, looking forward to watching more this season. Uh, anyway, we are also really excited here because 2020 has already been a great year for this podcast. We had more downloads in the month of January than any other month since we started this thing uh, last March. And and that's really, really exciting. And, and, and I have you to thank for that, uh, you who, uh, you listeners who tune in every week and tell your friends about us. So, so thank you for doing that. Uh, continue to do that. Keep telling people about us and help us spread the word about this podcast. One way you can do that is, is give us a five-star rating uh, and leave us a review. Those are two really small things that, that take hardly no time at all uh, that, that help put our podcast out there and help other coaches uh, find us as well. So uh, we also, we, we, we've gotten to the point where we've, uh, attracted some interest from sponsors and and that's definitely something we're going to look into but uh really taking my time with that i don't want to jump in to anything you know too soon uh but do want to make sure that that companies that we partner up with are ones that that we feel good about and again as i mentioned last week make sure it adds value to you as the listener so that's something that that's coming uh but but we're still you know probably a couple weeks away from that but anyway more on that in the, in the coming weeks but if you or your business is interested in being a sponsor of this podcast, you can email us at kypdpodcast at gmail.com or contact our show on Twitter at kypdpodcast. Okay, so let's get on with today's episode and our guest. Today is our second installment where we talk with a coach from a program that won a state championship in 2019, and this coach definitely did that this past year. In fact, his school won their record ninth state title, a record for 11-man football here in the state of Texas. And I'm, of course, talking about the Alito Bearcats, and I'm honored to welcome their D-line coach, Coach Andy Clark. Coach Clark is from Crowley, Texas, which is where he began his coaching career before moving on to Alvarado High School, where he was the defensive coordinator. From Alvarado, Coach Clark moved over to Alito, where he has been there for the past four seasons. And during that time, the Bearcats have made four straight state championship appearances, winning three of those 
including back-to-back titles in 18 and 19. The Bearcats have an unbelievable record of 62-2 and during that four-year span. And as I mentioned already, they now lead the state of Texas with nine state titles, which is more than any other program playing 11-man football. Coach Clark and I got to meet a couple weeks ago at the DFW Clinic, and we decided that you know we were just kind of talking about things that we wanted to cover in this in this episode, and we decided we wanted our conversation to have the feel of you know a conversation that coaches have at clinics where they where they sit down and and you know maybe they're scribbling stuff up on on scratch pieces of paper or or, or walking through some stuff or talking you know swapping ideas, and, and that's really what we wanted to do today. So we sort of break uh, from from protocol here a little bit. And, and, and kind of get into uh, some back and forth. And, and so in that, we talk about uh, the pressures of coaching at a program like Alito and, and how the Bearcats maintain their dominance year after year plus. We get into tech stunts and talk about coaching transitional pass rush. You know, I mean, everybody coaches pass rush, but, you know, are, how, how often do you spend time coaching it uh, where, where it's as um, realistic as possible, you know, where guys are trying to transition from defeating a run block or playing the run into working into a pass rush? Uh, and also, we talk about a new technique that Coach Clark has been toying with to help defend the run game and RPO. So, like I said, we have a great show lined up for you today. So, uh, so let's get right to it. Here is Coach Andy Clark on episode number 46 of KYPD. Coach Clark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, it's great to have you on and, and ready to talk some football. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited. Been been thinking about it a long time since we talked about doing it, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you. Yeah, well, we got a chance to uh, to meet up at, at the DFW clinic a couple weeks ago and talk about this a little bit, and, and I'm excited because. You know, we're going we're gonna to do the typical thing and talk about background and a little bit about what you guys ha- have going on there at Alito. But, you know, kind of towards the middle of this thing, we're going to really break uh, protocol for, for what's, what's been the norm for this podcast and just really kind of have a, uh, a, conversation, a conversation as if we were sitting there face-to-face, maybe at that clinic, you know, drawing stuff up on a napkin and, and just kind of get a chance to, uh, to, to, to have some back and forth between each other. So we're going to get to that uh, here in a little bit. But first... Let, let's uh, let's begin our conversation with you telling us about your journey through the game of football and, and really how you ultimately wound up there uh, at Alito. Well, uh, I, I started playing ball. I guess I didn't even play Little League football. I started playing ball my seventh grade year. Uh, I didn't come from a football family. Well, not really. I my, didn't come from athletic parents. Both me and my brother, my, my two parents are musicians, and they – have two football coaches so it's kind of yeah. a, a, a different deal I, I i didn't get to even start have the chance to play until i was in seventh grade and fell in love with it from day one um played throughout high school uh i went to crowley high school i was a three-year letterman there uh had one good playoff run then and really you know with that that success in that in high school really fell in love with the game and knew that's what i wanted to do uh i then went on to baylor university i didn't play ball uh but uh, I stepped foot on Baylor and knew I was going to be a coach. So, uh, and, and I was, you know, never changed my major, went through education program and then actually got my first job back at Crowley high school. Uh, Brad McCone, who was my head coach, hired me back at uh, Crowley high school as a tight ends coach. And, uh, 
I coached there for five years. Uh, I was tight ends coach for two years. Then I coached the linebackers for three years. And then I got my I got a the defensive coordinator job at Alvarado High School, where I went down there and coached uh, coordinated the defense for Jeff Dixon there for three years. And then, believe it or not, it kind of uh, circled back around. Uh, Brad McCone is the defensive coordinator at Alito now. And so uh, kind of got back in connection with him, and he had a defensive tackle job open in Alito. And so I jumped all over that, and that was uh, – I just finished my fourth football season there. So yeah, kind of come full circle back around. Right. It, it's, it's, right. Uh, I enjoy what I do, love what I do, and uh, I always had my mind on, on doing what I wanted to do since I was a young kid, I think, really honestly. Well, what was it that that drew you to coaching? You know, was it was it uh, you know was there a coach or someone who who stuck out to you, kind of encouraged you to pursue that path? What was it that drew you to coaching football? Uh, I had a lot of impactful coaches in my life. I just I truly love the game. You know, it's a game that's um, it's it's done like any other game. I could argue that with anybody. I think it's uh, it takes uh, tons of different kinds and styles of athletes. It takes big guys, fast guys, tall guys, short guys. Anybody can play it. It takes twenty two dudes to get on the football field and do it. Uh, and I just I think that that uh, I just like that part of the game. I like that aspect. No one guy can can truly make a team in, in it it's a true team sport and from an early age i just like that i like i like football i enjoyed it and i wanted to be it now guys like brad mccone my head coach you know those are the kind of guys that you know i wanted to you know that probably got me into it i guess or 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 drew me to the game more but uh i just loved football and yeah. i wanted i didn't i didn't ever want to not be involved in football yeah and and i knew you know I wasn't some D1 athlete. I wasn't – I just wasn't. It is what it is, you know. And I just still wanted to be involved in the game. So how can I still be involved in this game? And and and, and as I've gotten older and matured a little bit, I've actually realized it's definitely my calling. Not not just the game of football, but just be around kids. Yeah. yeah. Which is what we all want to do. And, 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 and I get to be around football and kids. And so it's just it's, – it's truly my calling. I do believe that. So. Yeah, I think a lot of guys can resonate with that. You know, I, I know I can. Definitely was not a, a Division One athlete, and and but just always loved the game. And and I'm sure. right there with you. You know, there is something different about football, and I love that it just takes all different kinds of people. And you know, a kid, you know, you got to be a certain body type to to excel in basketball. But you can take no a doubt. you can take a, a, an average looking kid at most of the time and and find something for him to do on the football field. And that's that is that is a special part and a unique. part part uh, of football that I think uh, attracts a lot of people uh, who maybe otherwise, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be into sports or, or anything like that. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it just makes our game unique, you know? Yeah, of course. Well, so you are at Alito now. You've been there for four years. Uh, everybody in the, within the state of Texas knows about Alito football. Uh, I coached in, in 5A Division II uh, for six years and, and, you know, was always, you know, from afar uh, admiring Alito and, and what you guys uh, have been able to do over the years. Uh-huh. So you guys have won nine state titles there at Alito, and 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 your winners of back-to-back titles, and really you're one one uh, game away from from having four straight titles. Uh, you, you dropped a, a heartbreaker there to College Station in, in back in 2017, but won it in 16. 
uh, made it all the way in 17, and then now I've won it back to back in 18 and 19 over Fort Bend Marshall. So I, I'm sure everybody is asking or wondering, you know, what's it like coaching at a program where the expectations and the pressure to win are so high and it's almost like state championship or bust there? And that's definitely the mentality there. There's no doubt about it. But for me personally, I mean, as a coach, as a competitor, why would you want it any other way? Right. You know, I, I, I mean, yes, anybody that knows me, I think I'm one of the most competitive people out there. I mean, I don't, I, it's not that I don't feel the pressure. Maybe it's, maybe it's that I enjoy it or maybe that it, that, uh, that it's always there. I don't really know, but it, it's definitely a, a get it done or bust. There is no doubt about it there. And it's definitely a heartbreaker when we don't get it done like we did in, in 17. But, uh, to me, it's fun. To me, it's, it's pressured up and that, that there ain't no better way to do it yeah. in my personal opinion, yeah. I guess. What is it about you guys? And I know, of, of course, you have you have talented players. I and mean, we could go down the list over the years of, of, <clears throat> of the guys that the Alito has produced. Uh, and so, of course, you have to have those kind of guys to help you be successful. But what else is it that, that uh, about your program that you believe makes you guys so successful year after year? Um, there's no doubt. We, I mean, we just graduated running back, and he's he's now in, in Alabama right now getting ready for spring ball for them. There's no doubt we got – we got some special dudes, but I, I think that, that it, those kind of guys, they may kind of, you know, overshadow some of the guys. That, I mean, we got some guys that just are hard-nosed, good old-fashioned working kids and, and committed. That That's the word that comes to mind. Our kids are committed. And that, that that's one of the biggest features to our success, in my personal opinion. I mean, we started track two weeks ago. Our track workout starts at 6:45 in the morning, and my one of my particular jobs for track is to to do the warm up, the the stretch routine. Yeah. So we set out 20 cones, and we're six guys deep at 6:45 in the morning. Yeah, wow. That's 120 guys at 6:45 in the morning there to run track, and let me we ain't gonna take 120 guys to a track meet, you know. And they're what are they there for? You come look at our track records; they they're not really there for track. They're there to get faster for football, and it, and it is what it is, and I, and it's just stuff like that on top of, you know, it's it's a year round sport for them, for our kids, and they do other things. They go do track, they go throw shot, they go play baseball, they go play basketball, but when it's all said and done, it's it's hey, our eyes are on number ten now. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it's just this commitment level that's unbelievable, and we know that that goes to our success and our coaches as well. Uh, unbelievable coaching staff, just worlds of knowledge, more football forgotten than I'll ever learn, you know? Yeah. And then also, I guess our, com- our community has got to be involved there. It's, I live in it. I've lived in this community for 10 years and I've only been here for four as far as a coach in Alito. I've coached, you know, my other places, I, co- I still lived in Alito right. and, and was commuting and, um, our community is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And when I say the word community, that's, that's, you know, that's widespread, you know, that's really reaching as far as, um, administration is concerned, as far as, um, parents are concerned, as far as support and businesses. I mean, literally the word community means that, you know, it's everybody and, and it takes them all and it's unbelievable. And it, and those three things to me are the equation for us to get done what we get done yeah, year yeah. in and year out. Yeah. 
that's the truth. I, I, I can't, I can't, I really can't describe it. Honestly, I, people ask me, cause you know, I've been other places and I, and I'm relatively new to Alito and I haven't been here for all nine of them, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever been a part of. It, it's a lot of fun. It's all I can say. I'm blessed to be here and to be a part of it. That's for sure. What's the feeling like when you walk off the field at AT&T stadium and, you, and you've, you've won another one, you've done it. You know, I, I'm sure it's, it's very different from a team who, you know, got there and no one expected them to be there and they maybe didn't even expect themselves to be there and they, and they got it done. And you know, their, their town ha, has been hungry for a championship forever, but you guys, it's different. So what's that feeling like as a coach, as you walk off the field and you just got it done, you just won number nine. Is it, is it still exciting? Is it more of a relief? Is it, you know, what's that, what's that feeling like? Well, when you say the word number nine, that was definitely a different feeling than number seven and number eight. That's for sure. Just because of the, the history, the record that was, uh, uh, euphoric. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it, it's, uh, it's unbelievable, man. And it doesn't change. It doesn't change. I remember winning number seven. I still remember it. I'll never forget it. I'm in the press box and I remember, we beat Cal Allen and that feeling sets in and you're just like, holy cow, we just did this thing. And that was number seven. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we, we won number eight there in 18 and it's no different. Fortunately, you know, we, we were able to, uh, and number on the, on the eighth one, I'll never forget it. Cause we got to go down to the field cause we, we were up on Cal or excuse me, Fort Bend there. And so we left the box a little early so we could get down early, you know, yeah, as far yeah. as the coaches upstairs to get down to the field. So that I mean, and then and that was uh, Coach Woods' last one. So they all hold their special place. Is yeah, what I'm getting yeah, at, I guess. Yeah, number number nine definitely ranks above them all. I think just because of what it was and what it is and how impactful it was. But to answer your question, when I still remember we were driving out of the stadium and we weren't halfway home, and you know what the conversation was in the suburban full of coaches. Was already personnel for the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, what are we going to do without this kid? And what are we going to do without that kid? And who's right. going to replace this kid? And so it, it's it's a revolving wheel, you know. It's, yeah. I mean, we're just yeah. – it's a machine is what it yeah. is. And yeah. I think we operate that way. I think we, uh, we think that way, you know. Over Christmas break, I had a notepad out and I was drawing stuff up. My wife looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? And she says, never mind. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, well, you just won the highest game you could win. But she says, but that's what it takes. It, it takes a week and a half later, already back on the drawing board, trying to figure out how to get better and do it again. You yeah. know? And, and, yeah. and that's what we do, I think, in Alito. Our kids do it, our coaches do it, and our community expects it. And, and, and it's, it's all a part of this well, fine-oiled machine that, that, that is Alito Bearcat. Yeah, Coach, and, and and this is just from an outsider's perspective, but I have to imagine that you know it's it's that relentless pursuit, right? And as soon as you stop being that way, uh, that's when complacency gets uh, creeps in, and that's when that's when you know this well old machine starts to to slip off the tracks a little bit. And so that kind of leads right into my next question: is how, especially now we're in the off season, you mentioned the the track program that you guys have, uh, you know, six forty five in the morning. You know, how do you as coaches battle complacency within your program and, and keep your kids hungry and on edge year after year? You know, I read this question on the outline and, and I had trouble answering it, honestly. And uh, I think the reason why in my mind I couldn't really formulate this answer is because 
I don't know because I got here late. You know, they've won nine of these things. And so that's probably a question for guys that have been here for all nine of them. I don't know what they did or how they did it, but complacency isn't even spoken of and nor is it seen, you know, yeah, like the seniors leave and they put their rings on and the juniors are ready to get theirs. Right. And so the grind, it starts, you yeah. know, it, literally, literally earlier this week, we had this uh, celebration for the whole nine time state title, which is the first thing that we've done. Just it is a celebration of the history of breaking nine. Well, we're a month and a half into getting 10. That's our men- mentality. You know, yeah. that that's yeah. our kids thought. That's our, our, our program style. We're a month and a half into getting on our way to try to get number 10. Yeah. And so, um, you get a two week break and we hit the reset button and go again. And it, yeah. And it's our kids that drive that thing, honestly. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're the ones that are there working. You know, you know, I kind of try to, to float, not float around, but we kind of divide our, our weight racks and everything up by position. And so I'm always constantly in their ears talking about their goals for offseason, talking about what they want to do. And they already got plans. They already got goals set. They already got, you know, diet plans. Hey, I got to eat X amount of calories so I can gain X amount of weight so I can be ready, you know, to play at this position. And, and they're just ready to go there. And it's almost, it's almost like we're not going to be the ones that don't get it done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so complacency, I don't know that we battle it too bad just because our kids are so committed and it's just ingrained into to doing what we do, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't want that to sound arrogant or cocky, but I, I'm trying to answer the question, you know, yeah, yeah. I want to know how the, how did this thing get started? Well, so I, that, inevitably at some point in time in my career you know my little boy hates it when i talk about it but at some point it's time to go you know i'm not going to be i, I would you know, maybe a little bear cat the rest of my life but maybe not and i want to go repeat this thing somewhere right and so i'm trying to dig and find and it's it's a kid thing man. and and it's somewhere it started you know maybe that's a question for coach buck or, or coach wood or, or coach bishop guys that have been here for forever but it's ingrained in these kids. Yeah. And it, it's, it's almost something that's not taught is what I'm finding. Yeah. You know, it's just in them. Well, I think that, I think you're, you're kind of hitting it is, 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 is you, you're, you have your culture to a point where it's now player led and it's not coach led, right? Like I'm sure y'all didn't have to browbeat your kids to get them up there at six forty five in the morning. Um, Absolutely. I, I would agree. I would agree. Now, there's always a there's always at some point in time a a swift kick in the tail by a coach or, you know, you know, metaphorically speaking, obviously, that that makes sure they stay on track. Yep. But for sure, it's it's definitely a player led situation. No. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I use this uh, analogy maybe with a coach I had uh, earlier on this podcast before, but it's kind of like a garden, you know, like, like, you know, you want to have, you want to start a garden and, and it takes a lot of work on the front end, right? Like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta mark off the, the spot, you gotta till up the ground, you gotta do all this stuff. Like it's backbreaking stuff, you know, depending on the size of it and everything, but it's, it's, it's difficult. But once you get that thing going, then it's just a matter of like, you know, watering a little bit, plucking some weeds. The hard part is oh, and now it's just kind of, it kind of, in large part takes care of itself aside from you, you know, doing a few things here and there to maintain it. 
Um, and that's really what, what, what you guys have, at least this, again, this is an outsider's perspective, is that now it's student-led and the, the, the pressure is internal and it comes from them. They don't want to be the guys that didn't get it done. I would agree 100%, you know, and um, that metaphor probably works really well, actually. You know, you, you, you're, you're trying to grow them. You're trying to continue to make them better. And, you know, you, you get a new bunch in and, and you kind of instill the ways of what we do at a young age. And, and there is some weed plucking, you know, sometimes. Uh, but but definitely it, the work was done way before I got here. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it, I guess there's some pressure on me to make sure it's still it, my, my guys. We're going to perform. We're going to go do. And, and that's their pressure on themselves as well. And, yeah. and it just all kind of works together. Well, let's talk about your defensive front. You guys are, are four down front and have been for a while. Looking back just, you know, in this past season and, and since you've been there, what are some things you feel like your guys have been really good at over the years? I would just say that since I've, since I've been there, and this is not just me or, or me being there, but I don't ever really feel like anybody can just come out and run the football on us. It's one thing that I've always – and maybe I'm biased because I'm the D-line coach or – or whatnot, but I just think that we 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 uh, fit up, we scheme up, not necessarily scheme, but we fit up and 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 fit up well. A lot of the run game that, that kind of gets thrown at us for the most part. And I think that's you know in the, in the game of high school football, if you can stop the run, in my personal opinion, you can be pretty successful defensively. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, I would say probably the the run defense is is very sound. Yeah. Well, and, and when you're as a defensive line coach, you know we we, t- we we take that thing personally, especially when you get a, a team that likes to run the ball and that's their thing. You know, that's that's kind of how we want it. You know, if the, if it comes down uh, to to us making the stops, you know, us us up front, then then that we usually feel pretty good about that. And that's uh, I like playing those teams. You know, I want the, I want it to be on us. That way, you know, because I know that we can get it done, you know, most of the time. At least that's the mentality you have. And so you guys pride yourself on that. What is it about your front that's helped you be so successful in stopping the run? I think we have really – I think we play really technical football up front. I, I think we're we're very sound in our scheme and very technical up front. And I think that leads to a lot of success. We don't we, – we don't get cute. And we don't get sloppy. Those two things I like to tell my kids, we're not cute and we're not sloppy. And I think, it, you know, that over time can be even uh, maybe even a more physical individual, maybe even a, a bigger, stronger, faster kid across the ball from us. If we're technical and, and not sloppy, I think we can win our fair share of battles. So do you get that way by just, uh, you know, you say you don't get cute. Does that mean your you know, your practices and your individual work is it a lot a lot of the same type of stuff day in day out? Is that what you're doing to to make sure that that stuff gets done? Yeah, my kids my kids know the routine for at least two of our you know the way we period out our our, our practices. The pre practice stuff, my kids easily know the routine. First period, every every you know we know the routine. Even mostly in the second the second period of individual. They definitely know the routine. Third period may be reserved for something new, something different, something special that week, or just something that we need to go back and, and touch. They may not know the routine, but yes, I would say that uh, my starting D tackles could get on this podcast right now and tell you a practice routine pretty quick and pretty easy. And I think that's the sign. I mean, I, 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 of of a well coached team, and I think that's the you know 
maybe this isn't that's not the the thing but i think that's definitely part of the sauce you know that goes into just building a dominant unit whether it's defensive line or wide receivers is that your kids know what to expect every day and not that you do I mean, not that there can't be any variance in your drills or, or, or whatever, but there's got to be those everyday drills that you know that, that people talk about are those things that that you guys that those skills that you cover day in day out. Otherwise, you know, you're just not you can't expect to be good at any at anything. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I struggle with it some though too because sometimes I. I, I I don't know. The easiest way to give you an example, you know, we do steps and stance every day. That's, you know, yep. that's a given. We're going to do steps and stance or stance and steps. Yeah. And we're in the fifth round of the playoffs this year, and I have a little sophomore D tackle. He's not little, but he's sophomore D tackle in there. And all of a sudden, he starts coming off the ball different than he had come off the ball all game and really the last month of football. And I'm sitting there watching the film, and I'm rolling it back, and I'm rolling it back, and I'm rolling it back. And one thing I don't really like my guys to do is a four-point stance. I've never yeah. gotten comfortable with my guys doing it. Yeah. And I look at it, and I roll back, and I go, he's got his other hand on the ground. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, I I felt, you know, in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I overcoached him. I, I told him, no, don't put it down. No, don't put it down. He just kind of sophomore rolling his own but he said coach i just had better leverage so i kept doing it when i got into the film session with him on saturday morning you know and so yeah. while yes i do we are going to drill and kill we are going to do the same thing every day i do still think that variation in there some along with that step that step's not going to change right right you know but but there can be some variation and maybe you know, how deep, how offset your feet get, and, you know, are you balanced, are you offset, which hand's got more weight on yeah. it. And that's where I got with him, you know. Yeah. And and so I said, okay, that's fine, but let's go 60-40 on our hands. Yeah, yeah. You know, 60 on my man hand, 40 on my off hand. Yeah. So I could do that, Coach. So, yeah. you know, we adapt and everything. But, yes, I do agree there are things you have to do every day. There are things you must do every day to create um, – technical D lineman yeah for sure yeah well it, that, that's it it's any position right technical any position right there are things that that have to be muscle memory and i'm going to tell you if you go away from it what i've seen personally and this may not be everybody but what i've seen if you go away from it and you stray from what you do it'll show up on film yes yeah and yep, so for sure you know i i do have that very i will let that kid get a little creative in, in a sense but we're going to stay within the confines of, of technique for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's – because I, what I think that's doing is you're, you're giving the kid the, a little bit of freedom, and I've heard it said before, you know, it's okay for them to have some personality within their stance as long as that personality is within the confines of what you're coaching. Because I had the exact sure. same thing this year. You know, I start, again, watching film, like, hey, man, why are you getting a four-point stance? We don't, we don't, we don't teach that. And he, I mean, it was the exact, almost the exact same conversation. Well, coach, I just feel like I can be lower and be more explosive. And it, you know, it was, it was working for him. So, all right, man, you got it. And the, yeah, same thing, you know, steps going to be the same, make sure, you know, we, we're, we're still placing our hands where they're supposed to be. But, right. you know, other than that, man, you gotta, they can't, they, you can't, you, we're not, we're not trying to coach robots, you know, Absolutely. Uh, that we want them to, to be football players and, and, and. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, it's a great point. A great point. Okay. Now we're, we're going to shift here a little bit and just kind of open this thing up. And th so this is now, there's no structure to this next, uh, segment of our conversation. We're just going to kind of let it go where it takes us. So, 
Um, you know, if you guys listen to this, buckle up. Um, so let's just, I'm going to throw some things out there and we'll just start talking about it. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let, let's get going here. So, uh, just talk about some things, you know, as you've already mentioned, you know, you're already a month and a half into trying to win number 10. Let's talk about some things that, that you're wanting to learn more about this, this off season and, uh, you know, uh, just throw some questions out there, some things that you're kind of toying with. Um, the one thing that I saw this year, uh, uh, we didn't get enough pass pressure. And I know yeah. that's the, the reoccurring thing with the line is pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. And, I, and I'll be the first to say Alito's probably behind. We're definitely behind in, in the pass rush game because we're going to stop the run. Yeah. And, um, and I think I think honestly, we've had some 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 studs, you know, on the D line for us over the last definitely since I've been there. Um, you know, we graduated a defensive end last year who played I don't know twenty five thirty percent of the snaps for TCU this year. I mean, yeah. so he was he was quite the pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the high school level, you know, and then yeah. year before that we had him and a kid that played nose guard for Montana state. I mean, we've just, we've been fortunate to have some serious D line in there. And what to me, I think uh, personally for, as a coach where we've, or I've fallen behind is just that, that, that true, just get after it pass rush. And I think it showed statistically for us this year, or, you know, we had several guys with like four or five sacks this year. And I don't know. I, I just think our sack number was down. I thought our, our quarterback pressure was was down, and uh, our quarterback hurries uh, was down, and that's something that we need to get better at. Now, what I'm looking into this offseason is, is is movement up front. Yeah, I, I think that yeah. I think that uh, in an old school mind, which you know, if my defense coordinator listens to it, he's on, he knows I'm talking about him, but. <laughs> <laughs> He was my head coach, so we we have an interesting relationship. But uh, uh, I'm the young guy, and he's the old guy, and so so I've you know we tried to, you know, a lot of guys use these stunts and these twists and stuff for both run and pass, and, yeah. and that hasn't been our mentality in Toledo, yeah, um, because we're going to fit the run, we're going right. to fit the run the way we fit the run, and, and we're really good at it, and and that's what our kids are good at, and so. In my mind, it, it, we have to generate a way to to create pressure with movement up front and and twists and moves. But we've got them all in the package, and they've not been successful. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not due to practice. Not practice some. I just don't think. I think there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And that's I guess what I'm in search of. And so I've been thinking. You know, I think the tackle in twist is is one of the big ones. Yeah. And, in my, and, and what I'm toying with in my mind, and this is, I don't know if there are people that do this or not. I've just been on the board looking at it and talking with our line coaches and figuring out what gives you problems and what not. And what I've found that, that our O-line guy, who's a, he's a phenomenal offensive line guy, just phenomenal, Doug Wheeler, and is a delayed yeah. tackle yeah. in twist. And, yep. it's, and to me, I, we have that whole two steps up, run the twist and it, it's still not it's still not effective not effective enough for me yeah and so when it, when the dc says what kind of pressure do we need i don't ever say that's one because it never hits it never comes clean it never it never works and so in my mind i 
as a as an even front this is my yeah. my thought process it would only work for an even front but but what i would like to think i want to toy with in spring ball is taking that that three technique and essentially giving him what we call a jet call which means with, with a jet call is reserved for our ends for the most part and it's outside pass rush right now we're going we're not reading the tackle we're not reading the block we're outside pass rush right now so we reserve it for third and 15, something long, you know, pass down. So I'd like to give it to the three technique and say, hey, now you're contained. Yeah. And then take that end and either stand him up or slow him up. And what we're going to eventually turn into is, a, is an odd man rush. Yeah. With the three technique being contained and then have that end fit where the quarterback decides to move. Yep. Yep. Listening to everything you were saying, that's the, the exactly what uh, popped into my mind. Um, when I was in, in, in Kerrville, we were we were uh, four down front, and and I, we picked this up from. Actually, I think I picked it up from a guy on that I had on this podcast. Um, but just tagging a delay with our with our tech stunts. So right. it's, they're not really learning anything differently. But what it is is it basically and it gives that end an option to bail out on that on it if he wants to. Like let's say let's say we're running a, an X stunt. So you got your end and your three tech, and they're gonna you know they're 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 Xing or whatever. So one thing we'd always do is we're gonna keep our our three tech in B gap, and he's gonna keep contained through B gap. And just like what right. you're talking about, he's got a jet call, so he's busting it upfield right now, making that guard take him and widening. What will eventually be that 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 a gap, and then the end is yeah he's rushing up field hard, but he's also and what I one of the coaching points I would uh, have our guys do is it's really more not as so much up but more out um, to try to get that, that those gaps to widen and give give yourself some room a little bit, and then okay I'm I'm I'm, I'm two steps up and now I'm kind of popping my feet and seeing and just like you said now I can either you know if, if that a gap's open now I can loop around and hit it but let's say it's a screen or, or it's a zone or a whatever well now I can I can play the zone or that maybe it's a stretch or something like that but now I can I can bail out on the stunt and so it's really pretty safe and because everybody's in their same gap you know anyway uh, your three tech's going to keep contained or at least try to he's you know he's working to keep contained so yeah definitely Adding a, a a delay tag to those types of stunts can be really really effective. We gotten a lot of mileage out of it. So let me ask you a question on the defensive inside because okay. this the the defensive inside is what's holding me up on the whole thing. Yeah, I've ta- just talking to our O line guy, and you know we, we our O line does a lot of the man slide stuff. Yep. So they'll man slide in or man slide away. Yeah. And so. <clears throat> The one holdup I have with that, with what you said, and and maybe you can answer the question, is if you take him two two yards or two steps upfield, which in my mind two steps is going to carry a kid two yards. Does he ever have yeah. trouble working back around the whole thing? No, nope. into the a gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Now, I mean, most of the time, especially, I mean, we're calling this like in a passing situation. We feel like it's sure. going to be, and sure. and and also we're we're calling it against a team that's going to be, um, you know, they're going to be kicking back. You know, if they're if they're like a, if they're like a team that's going to really shallow set or whatever, then we may actually adjust it. We may say, hey, you know, maybe it's just one step or or, or whatever, kind of mm-hmm. adjust it. But that can be sort of a game plan thing, uh, mm-hmm. but but that you can adjust. But no, most of the time, you know, they they don't have any any problem coming off that guy because those guys are those O line are kicking back anyway. Um, right. So, you know, no that that that's usually not a, not an issue as far as getting in that a gap and. 
And uh, and because then what you're going to kind of do is is bait the ball carrier to, to think that that's an open gap, and then you have a collision Absolutely. there. So, like to getting that quarterback to step up in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you know, I, 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 are y'all are y'all? Uh, do you have your nose in a shade, or is he in a G in a two I? We're we're a G. We're okay. a two I yeah, on, yeah. on our shade. Which and so uh, you know I've toyed with it because I don't want to to wrap ourselves into the three technique side only. Right. In my mind, what I'm thinking is is tightening up the shade to almost the head up, and then just working out to the B gap quickly. Yeah, yeah. On the snap, so so yeah. inevitably we get the same look. Right. Um, you know, my, we see so much man slide stuff, and, and that's the that's the one that concerns me. And just talking to our old line guy, I feel like <clears throat> what he said was that if 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 they're sliding into the tech stunt. Mm-hmm. The delay has hurt them because what inevitably happens is the center sets to that a gap to where you're stunting. Yep. And he's not patient. Yeah. And if, yeah. if he's not patient, he's going to add himself to the three technique too quick. Right. Right. And so when he adds himself to the three technique, it's you're going to smoke him yeah. because the text is going to come free. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's- so. And so now, you know, thinking all that through that one step, maybe two step up by the end would entice that center to say no back or no end go yeah yeah because it doesn't look like a tech stunt to him absolutely and, and that's the toughest thing about coaching it to your defensive end though is is because they're they want to hurry up and run it right like oh, no doubt they're, and they're it's like dude so fast calm down like like so this is an old john wooden quote but be you know be quick but don't be in a hurry and that's that's right. that's what we always yeah. want to try to talk about is man you know, let that thing develop because, like you said, we're we're we are banking on that center getting impatient and and not wanting to get yelled at by his offensive line coach for not finding work, right? Like, okay. hey man, you know, find work, find work. You don't see anything, Absolutely. and so he gets impatient. Now he's going to help out with that three tech, especially if that three tech is busting his butt up field. And then now that's exactly right. That's that's when it happens, and so it may end up being the other a gap, uh, and that's another thing too is. You know, talk about coaching your guys up to, to not be robots is man, hit the open window. You know, yeah, this is gonna probably hit in and and you know the a, you know, strong side A gap, but dude, hit the open window. Don't never pass up an open window. Once if you see open if you see daylight, hit that thing. So those are just the a way few the way I teach our guys, I guess, is when when it gets into pass, gaps are this is a this is awful. I, I it so sounds so unsound. <laughs> but I teach our guys we're no longer gap responsible. We're pass rush lane responsible. Yeah, that's that's right. Yep. And so, you know, hey, if he's if both those guys are eating up that pass rush lane, the pass rush lane's off their butt, you know. And right. so, just come clean and get back into the lane, and it, it 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 becomes a little more natural. Like somebody can make a lot of money, you know, creating pass rush lanes like on the ground out of tape or something, you know, Yeah. because I don't think kids understand it. I have to, I have to really like, it, it's your piece of the pie, dude. And as you get to yeah. that quarterback, that piece cones down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll end up having a three technique and an end way out there wide. And yeah. I'm chewing on an end. Cause he's way, hey, no, on a three technique. I'm like, dude, you're in his way. Get out of his way. Yeah. You don't have to get the quarterback depth before you can come underneath, you know? Right. right. It's just something that, uh, we, uh, I, that's just how I teach. I don't know how other guys teach it, but I try to teach pieces of the pot, pass those lanes. And, yeah. and and so if you're on that stunt, shoot, dude, it's a lane. It's not a gap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in my mind on this stunt that I, I'm trying to toy with, 
I, I don't necessarily want that end to wrap. Yeah. Unless he's unless he needs to wrap. Right. And and why that's got me thinking is because and this is a problem that we've run into on our tech stunts is we just put a three technique in contain. Well, if we wanted yeah. a three technique contain, we'll put them at end. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not an ideal situation for us, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so in my mind, and I think there, there's, there's going to be two services for this is I want the end to have eyes on the quarterback. Yep. A, if he says, I'm going to beat that three technique outside, there's no reason for him to wrap. Right. Stay outside and contain. And, and what gets me thinking about that is we just got play, play, got done playing Fort Ben Marshall, the fastest quarterback in the state of Texas. Yep. And if he goes peeling off inside, our three technique could be in a bind. Yeah, yeah. Even if he's got free, he could be in a bind. And so, and, and that's the one thing I think it would, it would help. But the second thing, if he's reading that quarterback, I think it, it would slow him down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I can't go until he commits. So if yeah. he's sitting in that pocket, I got to sit. Now that could also create a lot of time for that quarterback too. So, have y'all ever done anything like that? Or yeah, so I think on a th- one thing that's helpful to, to to study is you know where does that quarterback like to scramble when he gets heat? Uh, does he like to scramble to his right? Okay, well, what can we do to make him not do that? You know, and so then that might be one of those things where, so so then. You know, I'm watching that quarterback. I'm watching that quarterback, and I, I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to swing around, and now he he busts contain on you, and and you're gonna have to, you know, have some, you know, recruit the help of some linebackers at that point. Some some guys that can scrape over the top if you know if you have you know come sure. out of, come out of coverage or whatever if you're in zone or, um, but but yeah, that's definitely that's definitely something you have to think about. But again, I think that, and I think I think too that that three tech he doesn't have to get a sack if he can if he can at very at very least make that quarterback just check up or or or, or bubble out, you know, um, then then that's you know that's 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 okay. I mean, we no we, doubt. we may not get a sack, but that is something I think that you can study. Uh, and and look at and look, where does this quarterback like to step up? You know, if he does feel heat on him, does he like to step up in the pocket? Because if he does, then this is going to be really bad for him. Um, but if he does, and, flood, and even that, you got to teach that in. Hey, man, you may make a. It may not be a sack. Right. It may yeah. be a one yard game. That's right. That's right. And uh, and against that guy from Fort Ben Marshall, you'll take that every you know every day. At right? Every so, day. Um, yeah. So I think you talk about losing sleep. That Fort Ben yeah, Marshall kid, yeah, make a D line coach lose yeah. sleep. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, I'll throw this at you and just see what you think about this because this okay. is something we we did and and we've done it in my last two. We did it this past year and we've done it uh, done it this year and um, really really awesome. Is um, you know when it's a passing situation. Uh, we would get in two. We would put, you know, get, have our interior guys in two threes, and so then that takes that makes it really difficult uh, for them to double team, and your center's going to have to pop out somewhere and help somewhere, and so that means that that you know you're creating one on one matchups where now that that you know you have you have you have two guys and you have guys in, in, in two threes, and so they can rush those B gaps and really feel like defensive ends. And now, if you're worried about them stepping up in the A gap, you can always have one come under. You know, the designated he's going to come under A gap guy. But um, that was a change up. And then something we added this year is we have two really, really good defensive ends. Well, we would put those guys inside. We'd flip them. We'd have our nose and our tackle uh, on the edges, and, and and as defensive ends, and put those dudes right there. And they're one-on-one matchups with the guards. And the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. They're right there in the quarterback's lap right now, 
And that was that that we got a lot of mileage out of that right there. And again, it's not you're not doing anything different. You're just you know you're just moving some guys around and trying to take advantage of matchups. So that's that's something we did that that we we got a lot of mileage out of. So whenever you got into the two threes, um, did y'all see a lot of the uh, the the man slide, one side man, one side slide protection? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. You're, so so what we would do and, and yes, and so then. Like what you can do with one of those threes is, all right, hey, you, you're looking at the center. You know, you watch that center. If he slides away from you, now you can you can spike a gap, and so that's that's one thing that 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 yes, that's one thing that that, that we would get uh, when when we got into that, and so that would be you know what we would what we would do there is those guys are reading that center and watching where he goes. Absolutely, it, it, it does. It's it's interesting for sure uh, in that pass rush situation because we always run into the problem with our G in a pass rush situation. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and, and historically, since I've been here, I guess it's only four years, but um, RG has always in that slide, especially when I had the really good guy, the really good kid that, that ended up in Montana state, they, they would slide to him. And this dude is a monster. I mean, he's an absolute monster and they would slide to him and they could just get him out of that pass rush lane. And he didn't even realize he was out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm preaching to him, hey, we're going to get hands into the guard. Well, the guard doesn't really care if you hit him or not. Right, right. He's going to work to be gap. And so that's naturally going to take you out there. And the center shows up, and all, all of a sudden you've got an, an A-gap pass, you know, lane for that quarterback to step up and throw through. And, and I always, you know, so I try to adapt. And maybe you got an answer for this. I don't know. But um, I would try to teach him, hey, we feel that slide. we got to ricochet back into the center so that we don't get washed out of our lane. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I do have something for that. It, it, ran, uh, Coach Joyner, Randall Joyner, was, it was on a couple episodes ago. He talked about this very thing, and and I'm, I, I think I'm saying, Coach Joyner, if you are happen to listen to this, I hope I'm not butchering you up up your coaching point here. Um, but I think this is what he talked about because I had a question. I went back and asked him about this very thing uh, in our conversation. So what they will have their guys do is when they when they feel that guard leave them. They're gonna get. They're gonna get wide right now to, to basically avoid that center washing them out because they all. You know, if you if you ricochet, if you go towards the center, you run the risk of falling on the other side of them, and now you have an uneven uh, pass rush. You know what I'm saying? You're three on right. one side and one on the other. So I think what he says, what he was saying was, you feel that guard leave, get out right now, get in his hip, and then you can get back in that rush lane. Uh, to, to you're not just you're not just running away, from, but but basically so that center can't get his hands on you, and and uh, get wide right now and rush, and you still you know if you're rushing a downfield shoulder or whatever it is you're having those interior guys rush, you know you can get back on that pretty quickly. Um, sure. I'll 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 go back and 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 look that up and and make sure I, I said that right, and I think that was right because I, that kind of my 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 initial. Thought was well. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you just rush? You know, then okay, cool. We're now rush the center to make the one on one. But he was just saying then you could, you know, you could end up you know getting uh, pushed out of your lane to the other side to where now it's a three and a one situation and mm-hmm. that quarterback can step up. So anyway, there's there's that. Uh, well, one thing you talked about that I think is probably every D line defensive line coach's conundrum is transitional pass rush you know like when you're when you're so good at stopping the run and you're playing run first and we all you know we're, we're yeah, we got to stop the run earn the right to rush the passer 
and then you get that pass, you know, on on second and and three or you know first and ten, whatever. And you're, it's it's kind of it's not not necessarily one of those downs. It's a choice down, you know, not necessarily one of those downs. That's 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 going to be a pass down. Is you know how how then do you work into a pass rush? So what do you what are you doing there with your guys as far as that stuff goes? Because that that is a difficult thing to to coach up. I do a drill on a dummy that I think helps them. Uh, you know, a lot of times you, you take that step and, 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 and you're anticipating runs. So, so you're yeah. really heavy or, or maybe you're not heavy. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel an outside flow threat with an even back away or something. And, and you may take a lighter step and maybe even a, a slightly angled step, the different angle than what you might not, might've taken in a pass row situation. And all of a sudden is you're, you're kind of out there on it and, and kind of out there geared up to hit this dude who's about to zone block you or base block you and he's backing up. Right. Yeah. That's the question, you know? Yeah. And so what I do is I, I do a reset drill. We're going to reset real quick. I try to get to, so on my second step, I'm going to, I'm going to reset down up underneath him. I got to regain that pad leverage as he's getting out of there. As he's backing up, I'm going to have to reset my, my, my mentality and, and we're going to go get to the half man that, you know, we'll rush the half man just like everybody else and, and reset my hands and get extension and then work that move off of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found with our guys and, and maybe I'm a, I don't know where I am as far as the, the rest of the D line world, but I still think you got to be physical in a pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no especially, doubt. especially with my guys, I, you know, I'm primarily the D tackles coach. And so now in the end, we're going to take a different mentality. Yeah. In the end, I, oh, man, no, I'm going to go get speed fast outside your outside shoulder. I'm getting around you in a hurry. Doesn't mean you can't bull rush. You can. Yeah. But primarily, that's, that should be our mentality. Inside with the D tackles, we better go get back into them real quick. We, can, we don't have that luxury. We don't have all that room that they right. Yeah, you're rushing in a phone booth. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And so let's go get physical in that phone booth, and then we'll get space in that phone booth. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and so we do a reset drill. I'll back him up off the dummy a little bit and try to simulate that. Hey, I took that step. He's way off. Reset and regather. Back up inside. Come clean and come through. And, and then make my move from that. Whether it's you know whether I'm gonna I'm gonna push pull or I'm gonna uh, swap pin whatever I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, after I, I kind of reset and 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 regain leverage. Yeah. 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 I think that's that. I like that drill. I, I like that a lot. I think that's probably. I think sometimes we as D-line coaches can be guilty of segmenting, okay, now we're going to work on stopping the run. Absolutely. Now we're going to work on stopping the Absolutely. pass. 100% agree with you. And, and I think that, man, you can't – it's it's hard to do because you, we don't know in the game when they're going to run and pass. I mean, yeah, we have an idea. Yeah. There are some indicators based I, on – I agree. You know, yeah, but, we're going to go through pass rush drills right now. Yeah. We're crap. We're, we're – okay, yeah. they're going to give you a high hat, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, it's not realistic is right. what it is now. Right. And, and that's and, and I know, now I know if there's offensive line coaches listening, they have opinions about this drill. You know, your, your one-on-one pass rush drill with offensive linemen. Um, I think that, you know, their offensive line guys are going to say that we have the advantage defensive line does and and whatever. Uh, but one, <laughs> one thing that one thing we do, here's a bone we throw them at. And, and this isn't just a bone. This is I think this is how you should run the drill is. You know that you should, ought to give that offensive lineman. What we would do is, the the offensive line coach would be stand behind the defensive line guy and signal to the offensive line guy, "Hey, here's what you're doing." It might be a, a zone block, it might be a base block, or it might be a pass set. And so, although it's, it's the drill's called one on one pass rush, 
it's really the kid doesn't know, you know, sure. and, and they'd get two or three reps and, and you know, there's, they're going to probably get a pass in there more than likely, but that keeps them honest. And that does work that transitional pass rush because, Oh, I thought it was run. Now I got to work into a pass and that's more realistic. So, uh, absolutely. We, 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 we don't quite do it like that. We, um, it's Tuesdays again, kids know it and they love it. You know, we call it the sandbox. We're going to go play in the O-line sandbox. And, uh, it's, it's one-on-one pass. Now we do it very, very, you know, I don't, I don't know how much everybody really likes it just cause it gets very physical, very fast. And then week 13, it's not necessarily something that, you know, it's, it's, it's dicey, yeah, I guess you, yeah, could say, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, but we, we do it and, and it's one-on-one. And then at the end of that drill, towards the end of that period, we'll do a five on four Yeah, to where then it's five on four, quick whistle. You may get zone, you may get stretched, you may get passed, you may get screened. And, and, and that kind of brings the reality back to it. So, yeah. and, and I think that, that there are O-line coaches, while they will say yes, uh, we have the advantage. I still think they like it. You know, yeah. hey, if we can block them when they know we're doing it, we're doing something yeah, right. That's and, right. And so I think our guys like it. You know, they'll come ask for it. I'll say that. I don't have to go begging them for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we also keep that reality to it with the five on four. Yeah. And I think you have to. I mean, I think you, because other uh, otherwise, then, then, because most of the time, like, I'm, I'm sure if you broke it down, most of your pass rushes are not in situation or, or most of the time when guys are pass rushing it's not in a situation where everybody in the stadium knows it's pass you know most of Absolutely. the time it's hey they're going to have to make a decision now and understand and diagnose that it is pass they feel that guy set soft and, and so now they got a transition and so if we're not working that then you know we're setting our kids kids up for failure and and we it's really hard for us to get mad at them uh in a game when they're not doing it when they're not working a pass rush when we haven't shown them how to do that and come out of a transition and like you said reset for sure 100 percent. and, and it, it, it to me what i see on film whenever i haven't done a good enough job of that is which is a good thing they they completely resort back to the the very few things that we have harped and and, and done it and to me that on me i gotta we gotta we gotta find a better way to mimic that reality consistently yeah. you know yeah. you know i love our jv and, and, and it is what it is across the state of texas but you just don't get that rep when the jv serving yeah yep you know hey i i can take uh uh three steps backwards and still get a pass rush on a jv guard primarily right. for the most part. yeah yeah you know yeah. And, and so at some point in time in drills and in one-on-one stuff you that reality is has got to set in, and they got to get better at doing it. And it is one thing I think, it, like you said, every D line coach probably has to deal with. But oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right, any other things that you're kind of toying with or looking at this off season uh, as as we uh, as you just kind of get ready for for next year? Yeah, uh, we have a technique in our run game that uh, I'm definitely. Uh, I, I love the technique. I think, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's hard to kind of see, you know, you, you see twists, you see stunts, you see all that. You watch Saturday football, you watch college football, you see all that stuff. Yeah. And, and in the run game, sometimes I don't think, I think it's harder to see what exactly it is they're doing, yep. especially how they're coaching it, what they're reading, their steps. You know, you don't, it's not on huddle where you can rewind it and diagnose and, and, and study, you know, I mean, DVR is yeah. a great thing, but you only get so much out of it, so many angles, but 
the one thing that, that we started doing it and, and what it is, what we've created it for, it's, it's definitely evolved since I've been there. But it's a technique with our defensive end that, that we call it. We just named it an ear technique. And it's essentially we're an outside shade with our defensive end. And um, we read that tackle. If that tackle comes at me, base zone or stretch, I'm B-gap responsible. Yep. Yep. If the tackle goes away from me, zone or down, yep. I, I play it like an outside technique, yep. zone down. So I'm going to... I'm going to hands on and, uh, you know, check my lanes, lane one, lane two, or, or yeah. our, we coach our ends to kind of see it all. We call it the sector. Uh, we're going to see the sector. And if a puller's coming, we're going to go handle the puller the way we need to handle the puller that day, that week. And if it's not, then we're going to either be running back or quarterback responsible. However, we're playing it that way yeah. that week or, or that down. And, and I think that what it's done for us is it's allowed us to hip our linebacker out a little further. Yeah, especially on the G five side or on the on the two I five side. Yeah, and and where we've needed that is because of the RPO, right? Because right. Of the 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 stop or the slant RPO out there, and so we're asking this kid to hip out there, pop his feet, hold, make him run the ball, and then go play B gap. Yep. Well, when you're playing Fort Ben Marshall, <laughs> it don't work out very well for you sometimes. Right. If they got a dude in there, or they get any kind of movement on the G and create a bigger gap in that B gap than what you're than what you're ready for, or what you're too far away from to play, then it, it poses problems. And so, so we kind of toyed with this, and and it there's kind of a long story to the evolution of the the way we're playing it, but um, essentially it's to well, it started off of our bullet stunt, our our, our the backer coming off the edge stunt is what it started off of. And the way, you know, where, where we started with is if the backer came off the edge, the end goes B yap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we started to have problems with that whenever we started to run into 20 personnel guys. So right. uh, 20, I'm sure everybody knows, but 20 personnel is two backs, no tight ends, right? Yep. An H back. And so when they would start to run that zone at us down on the goal line, the end would bury up in B gap. Yeah, get washed. That's right. The backer would come off the edge and get kicked by the H yep. or the fullback, and there's nobody in C gap except for the guy that was in man with the H maybe or the roll down cover safety, however we were playing it. And so we, we evolved that end into what we call an ear technique, whereas if he goes down, you're not going to go bury up underneath. Yeah, yep. And so some guys are like, nah, it slows him down. I'm like, but it makes him right. Yeah, yeah. He's not wrong. And so that's where it started. And now with the RPO, we've evolved it to, hey, the backer's not coming. We're taking B gap if flow comes at him so that he can play C gap and play the RPO. It's just an easier fit. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We When, when we were, uh, again, in Kerrville, we, we, in a four-down front, we would definitely spike our ends a lot uh, on that on that weak side, on that G side. Uh, for the exact same reason that you're doing, uh, that, that you're talking about, to help out with RPOs and also, you know, bounce those interior runs because everybody wants to attack the B-gap bubble in a four-down front. And so I'm now sure. you're attacking that – I mean, you're taking that gap away and bouncing things out to ideally your faster, more athletic linebacker uh, who can make those plays. And see, now now what we've done here and, – and I'm, and I'm smiling as you're talking about this because – you know, we're, we're, we're odd front here, and, and what we'll play is, is we'll play a, a four technique, 
the same way. So he's head up, and depending on what that offensive lineman's doing, we're either going to play B or C gap. And, and it's the same thing, like you said, it makes that it makes that guy right, and the linebacker behind him knows how to fit off of it accordingly. And, and so it's just really, really uh, an easy way to, again, you know, maintain gap control, but also help out with perimeter stuff. And, and, it, and it makes it easy now if we want to go from three down to four down, well, that linebacker behind him, he knows how to, he knows how to, to fit those things up. It's not a big deal for him because, you know, with a flex, with a, with a guy in front of him who's playing either B or C gap, well, now he's he's he knows how to fit everything. So, uh, it makes it really really simple. Absolutely. The one thing that, um, and when I was at Alvarado, we did that as well. We played a four technique, but he may be a four technique alignment playing a five technique responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And or playing that read technique where he could fit either way. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing, we were talking about toying with stuff in the offseason, and one thing I would like to toy with in spring ball is not just the five technique, but also the three technique doing it. Yeah. So now if you get zone at you, you can you can adapt to where that Mike linebacker is lining up. You don't have right. to mic him up. Yeah. Because if he gets zone, that, that, that three is going to be an A gap, and that end is going to be in B gap. So now he's an extra fitter to C gap. Yep. And, and so we're really forcing that ball to bounce. Now, I haven't really put it on the board and really, really toyed with it. I'm, I'm really – my first priority this offseason is, is, is this pass rush stuff but um, or this, this, these games that, that I think would, would, would help us. But, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot to doing anything and everything you can to make those D-linemen right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen trap. You know, I haven't thought about it to trap and how it would all fit up, but you know, yeah, there's just different plays that, that, that run through your mind, but inevitably you're going to clog it all up in there and that ball's going to bounce. Yeah. And, and man, crap. I mean, then we get into whoever has the marker last and, and, oh, no doubt. Well, if no coach, doubt. if you do that, then we're going to run. Okay, man. All right. We got it. Um, <laughs> uh, you have an answer for everything. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think, if you if you were to run if you were seeing a lot of trap maybe that you don't do it that week or you teach that guy hey if you're doing this and you feel you feel yourself unblocked now you're getting flat down you know eyes inside getting flat down the line or whatever but yeah coach and I, th- I think especially with things like stretch and zone and I mean it where does it kill you it kills you when those guys get north and south right now you know no one's really yeah. scared of the stretch you know coming off the coming off the edge it's the ga- the, the nose guard or the three tech getting gap removed. And now that that running back can stick his foot in the ground and get north and south, and so if you just have your guys where they're falling behind stuff, you know now it's now you're you're guaranteeing that it's going to bounce outside to where uh, your your faster athletes are. So yeah, that's that's great stuff, and 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 helps those D linemen out not feel the pressure to get uh, to not get reached as uh, as well. You know, it, to me, it presents that um, that true, you know. <laughs> One thing that 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 I don't like, and and, and I think it, it's safe to say that we don't like as a Leo defense, is is we don't like an edge piece playing an inside technique. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. We don't like six techniques. We do it. We don't like it um, for the counter game, the buck game, stuff like that. We just we want that. We want those guys wrong shouldered. We are spilled. If you will, we want that ball bouncing or cutting back, and, and so we don't want that inside technique on the edge in our end position. And so what it does is allows us to play the inside gap while maintaining the edge piece. Yeah, 
yeah, or the outside technique, and and that's what I like about it. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. I think there's a there's a world out there that, that that you could go off on it and and get better at it and make everything right. But I really think it, I think it could help in the four two five. You know, we get into the four two five some, especially if you get into a lot of ten personnel on us and we're right. ready to throw the ball. Yep. But uh, I really think that's where it, it, it can play a lot of or lean to a lot of, you know, hey, get that ball to bounce to yes. where we have more guys. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I and, think so. Uh, you know, you know, you, you, you essentially go from a seven-man box to a six-man box in a 4-2-5. Right. Inevitably. And, and and so, or you're removing one of those linebackers. And I think it, it could help us there. We just, you know, it, you know, it, it's hard. You, you come into a place like Alito and we're going to do this and we're going to do it this way. And let me tell you something. That's why we're successful defensively. I will say yeah, that. We have yeah. kids that, 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 you know, we play a 4-1 box. I mean, you're hard-pressed to get us out of it. You're going to have to get us out of it, you know. Right, right. And we're going to set our three to the tight end, and we're going to set our three to the trips. And, and you can get – it is no secret. In two series, you can tell where we're going to line up and how. And so it, it's hard to kind of come in there and change some stuff. Yeah, know, that way. yeah. But, you know, the game evolves. And, right. And, and so does the defense. It's got to, and, and right. we all know that. But. Right. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about – you know, making wholesale changes. Or, no, no. You know, yeah. We're talking about little tweaks, and we're, we're pruning the garden, man. See, there we go. It came full <laughs> circle. We're just pruning the garden. All right. No doubt. Well, well we uh, as we kind of get ready to, uh, to to wrap this thing up, uh, I, here's one thing I want to know that, that, I'm, that I'm curious about. You know, as you go around now, you're in the offseason, you go to clinics, and you go out and you talk with people and, and uh, uh, you know, about what it's like to, to coach at Alito and things like that. What's what's the biggest misconception that outsiders have about Alito football? Uh, the biggest misconception, I, I, I truly think that, uh, like we already said, we've had dudes. I mean, the Jonathan Grays, you know, the Jason McClellan's, you know, Alabama. I mean, we've had them. There is no doubt about it. But also, like we've said, this game is about twenty-two guys, not one. And I think that. Um, We've got regular kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> now they don't bleed red; they bleed orange and black, and yeah. that's what makes them different. Yeah. But we got red. We got regular kids. We got kids that 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 grind it out just like everybody else. And I think the misconception is that you know, I, I don't know. That's how I feel. And, yeah. And you know, I may have not had that opinion actually, believe it or not, when I wasn't here. When I was at Alvarado, I was like, man, if I had an Alito linebacker, well. Shoot, now that I've gotten here, there have been a couple of years those Alvarado linebackers could have started for, for us at Alito. Right. We got regular kids. Yeah. They're they're just the and I think that's a big misconception. We we just we our kids. I say we we push them. There's no doubt about that. But our kids work and right. and, and and they become these. You know, every week we still we see the same thing. David versus Goliath. We become Goliath. We create him. He is a monster that is created whether it's on our track in February or in our weight room in January or in July. And, and I think the misconception is that a, they just show up yeah, and uh, B they're all freaks and, yeah. and they're not, man. They're yeah. there. They're 16, 17, 18 year old high school kids that work their tail off. And I, I think that's probably the biggest misconception. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, 
not surprising probably, you know, uh, f- from guys thinking that, yeah, you just show up every day, man, and, and you got all these dudes hanging around, and y'all just kind of tore your whistle and say, hey, go get after it, boys. Uh, but, but as you mentioned, you know, you get a lot of just, you gotta have, you have your studs and then you have your glue kids, you know, that keep the program running and those kids that just bust it for you and they're program kids. And, 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 you know, maybe by the time they're juniors or seniors, they're able to play for you. And it's, those are the guys that, that keep it rolling, you know, because a lot of people have, have, have a dude here or a couple dudes there, but it's those kids who, like you said, they don't bleed red, they bleed orange and black. That's, that's the difference. Absolutely, hundred percent. And and when you have those kind of kids, it allows you to do things that that you can't do. Yeah. Other places, yeah. you know. Some and, and I, I say other places. I've, I've been there, but you know, like I said earlier, we're gonna play. We're gonna play bump G cover four. That's what we do. We're gonna be in a four three cover four, and and our kids are gonna know it back and forwards. You know, and they may not. They our, our Mike linebacker may run five flat. But yeah. he's going to know everything that you're about to try to do to him, and he's going to know everywhere he's about to fit. And that's just it's just our kid. They're hard nosed, hardworking, intelligent kids, and uh, they get the job done year in year out. Coach, as we close this thing out, who who are some uh, some coaches, defensive line or otherwise, who may not always get the spotlight or credit, but are doing or, or have done an outstanding job coaching up their guys that that you want to shout out. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I actually wasn't a D-line guy. You hear my uh, kind of background of football. Um, and so when I was at Alvarado, we hired a guy named Nick Arnold, who really I learned – that's where I learned the idea and the art of, of, of very technical. I was I was definitely young and, and dumb whenever I – when I was the coordinator there and, and we hired this guy and he was a very technical guy and he was very – you know, meticulous guy, and I learned that that's what that takes. You know, you all, everybody knows the line guys do that. Everybody knows, you know, that you know they're going to pound boards and they're going to hit shields and they're going, you know, they're going to take steps. and And he was a guy that kind of came in and started doing with the D line. Yeah. And in Alvarado, we don't just pump D line, or we didn't we just pump D linemen in and out of that place. But he created them with some bodies that I was like, I was shocked. I was like, good night. How is he creating that? And that's so. I, I would say that a just technique from him and b. Just the idea and the art of um, of just this meticulous boom, you know, treat it, treatment just like a like they're machines, and it don't matter what size they are. Technique beats uh, not technique, or technique beats somebody bigger, faster, and stronger. And yeah, so yeah, I'd say Nick Arnold for sure, D D line wise, no doubt about it. I, he's not even in the business anymore. He 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 doesn't coach anymore, so he's not anywhere to really, you know, he's making his claim. But a lot of guys know who he is, especially around the Metroplex. He had a big career. Yeah at Brewer, Haltom, and, and then, of course, down there at Alvarado. Well, great, Coach. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's it's when you're around those guys who are meticulous and detail-oriented, uh, you're able to see, and they're able to just take, you know, maybe some, some average kids or some kind of ordinary kids and make them into players, and that's always a special thing to, to witness and watch and definitely inspirational to be able to watch guys who are able to do that. No doubt, it was a lot of fun, and and uh, it, it served us served me well for sure here at Lido. Just you know, using that and what I've seen and, and learned from him and, and our kids, and and getting a lot of things done. Like you know, eyebrows raised, you know, like yeah, man, yeah. my kids doing something that yeah he might not should be able to do. Right, right. Well, coach, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed our conversation, and it it was. I kind of forgot we were doing a podcast there for a moment, and just thought we were no doubt. just talking some ball. And, and that's that's always the goal of these things is to to forget the uh, 
the 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 ancillary stuff and just to just we're two coaches talking football so that was that was good and and I enjoyed it and I hope the guys uh who who listen uh to this enjoy it and get something out of it uh but but anyway coach Good luck this offseason as, as you guys drive for, for number 10, and, and we'll all be watching and keeping up with you and, and just uh, want to wish you the best of luck this offseason and into 2020. Hey, same to you. Congratulations to y'all and y'all's program out there that y'all got. Y'all got, seem to got, have something going as well. Man, I had a blast talking with Coach Clark today. And if you have any input on anything we talked about, then you need to follow us on Twitter and be on the lookout this week for opportunities for you to contribute to our discussion. Coach Clark is not on Twitter, but if you do have questions for him, you can send him an email, uh, and his email address is aclark at alitoisd.org. And as always, you can find that email address and other important details in today's show notes, so check that out if you want to get a hold of him. Our quote of the day is from Coach Vince Lombardi, and it is, winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. And that will do it for us today. Once again, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for episode number 47 of KYPD. And until then, keep your energy level up.